right. Hey, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to the Freedom Path Investors podcast. Today, we have a, a treat. We have, I think she goes by the cash flow queen. Yeah. Yes. The ROI check, which I'm that I like the ROI check. That's pretty <laughs> yeah, cool. That's, I'm yeah, I like it. Um, but for most people, Christina Aguilera, thanks for coming on. Welcome. Yeah. Fellow St. Louis in here. And, uh, you know, we've kind of run into you a few times. And I think we got a deal going on with you, right? Two? Two? Yeah. yeah. Okay, well, perfect timing. <laughs> I think that was part of the negotiation. Yeah, it was. Yes. So did, like, did we write it into the contract? If you yeah. Perfect. I'm down. This is a great deal. Yeah. <laughs> Sweetheart deal. Man, I, I should have got a coffee with you. It's it's not even noon yet, but. It's my first one. <laughs> wow, when do you wake up? <laughs> um, eight. eight? Oh, oh, wow. So I go late. I go late nights. Okay. So you must not have kids. I don't. No. Yeah. But usually when um my boyfriend has grandkids, so he's young, like started early. And so yeah, so he has a three year old grandson. Yeah, okay. And <laughs> he's forty three. Okay. I was gonna say there might be an age difference yeah, there. Okay. okay. Um and I'm thirty. I'll be thirty next month. But he Yay. has a grandson that's three and whenever he stays over, he doesn't get up much earlier. Like maybe seven thirty. Really? So, wow. Not too bad. Yeah, I'm like seven o'clock. So myself. That's good. Nothing too crazy. I just have one kid though, so it's easy. I just have one. Yeah. Put him back in the bed. So, Christina, <laughs> how did you get into real estate? Um. So my background is in insurance. So I just always live in sales or some capacity of managing sales. Um. And I got my MBA in entrepreneurship, and um, I wasn't really sure what direction I wanted to go into with that. And then I was managing um, some sales agents and I was like, yeah, this can't be life. I was like overworking, probably working almost like 70 hours a week, managing other people, helping them build their, their um, insurance agencies for farmers. Okay. And I was like, okay, I need to start like looking at what I want to do with my life. So I went to this like weekend seminar and now like, I wish I remember what it was, but this was like five or six years, six years ago. Yeah. And, um, it, they talked about Forex and like real estate and all this stuff. And I was like, they, they basically like entice, it was rich dad that was there and they enticed you for like a three day weekend with a tablet. And I was like, yo, worst case scenario, <laughs> I, got, I got a tablet. There you go. I mean, it wasn't even like a, it's like a time, tablet. it's like a time sales pitch. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, timeshare. Time, timeshare. Yeah, exactly. It's like, get a tablet. I was like, you get a tablet, the worst case scenario. Um, so that's kind of what started it. And then, um, on that weekend, I spent $90,000 um, all on credit cards. Holy crap. That was the program night? Wow. Yeah, so it was 70000 That was the biggest one that they had. And then not I added big en- on. Not, not big enough. Not big enough. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go bigger. So um, what happened was I spent seventy. That was like the initial investment. And then within like a month, a couple weeks from then, I spent another 20000 on like a mentor and all this stuff. Wow. That didn't even come with a mentor for seventy grand. How quickly did you regain that investment? Um, I think it was obviously because I still had to cover my living expenses. So all this happened. So I invested in that. Um, I had just taken a job at Wells Fargo like during this transition because mm-hmm. I was like, I wasn't happy, like, period. Um, and so I was like, okay, I'm going to go and like get my license to sell securities and see if I like that. And because I'm just naturally a salesperson. So I was like, oh, I'll just try something else. And um, I went to Wells Fargo and I was so focused on real estate. Like I was so obsessed with it, so consumed with it that I couldn't even pass my series 66. 
Like these people paid for me to go to Charlotte for extra training. Like they wanted me to work there so bad. And I was so consumed with real estate that I couldn't even focus. Like I passed the first test, which was a seven, but like my 66, I literally failed like three times. And that's basically just so that you could sell securities through Wells Fargo. Correct. Okay. Yeah. yeah, at the cost center downtown. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. And, um, but yeah, I mean, that's, so I got laid off. Sure. So now um, I get laid off and I'm like having to pay for my living expenses on these credit card bills, which have super high interest rates. So yeah. I would say um, it took me about two years to like pay it off because I was like using the money that I was making from wholesale fees um, to pay credit card and my living expenses before I could completely pay it off. Gotcha. Yeah, it was about two years. So in the middle of this job with Wells Fargo and everything, had you started applying, you know, what you were learning and wholesaling? Yeah. And so, um, so that's the funny part, but I did like, so it's like you get seven or nine classes, right? So it's like marketing is one of the classes. Um, all these things. Jason used to teach one of the classes. Yeah. Mark he used to teach marketing. Right, right. Um, so foreclosure, like all these different classes. So I did the wholesaling one, the marketing one. Um, and foreclosure strategies. So that's like what I started with. Mm -hmm. And I remember going to these like networking events, they're called symposium. And I would ask people like, oh, how, like how many deals have you done? And they'd be like, oh, none. And I got freaked out. <laughs> I was like, I cannot like, like I don't have the opportunity. Like these people still have jobs. Like I don't have the opportunity yeah. to like just keep coming to these things and not doing any deals right so, so i just I, started having buyer's remorse and wondering if this was all going to work or... no i actually never had buyers no i literally just came home after one after orlando we went to orlando i came back from orlando and i started going on these okay like foreclosures like immediately. Like i yeah i was like i can like i can't afford whatever these people have going like where they can float these credit card payments and stuff like i don't have that advantage <laughs> So I just literally- It has to work. Yeah, you can't fail, yeah. I didn't have an option at that point. Right. So yeah, I was not, I don't really ever think that I had buyers anymore because I was just so convinced that it was going to work. Yeah. Not because of like the education or what I got, but just like my own self. Like I was so focused on making it happen that it didn't really matter, I guess. I had a very similar start. I joined a program similar. I thought it was one of the most expensive ones, but you beat me on it. <laughs> but I mean- Everybody who asks, always asks me, do you regret doing that? You know, did they rip you off? Like, if I didn't make that commitment or with financial commitment, yeah. I would not have committed myself to doing the work. You know, yeah. I was doing it part time. I thought it was going to be a side hustle. And then I quickly realized, like, I want to do this business. So um, I always agree with that. And like, people yeah. always do ask me that same thing. Like, do you regret doing that? And I always say, like, maybe that's what it took for me. But yeah. maybe for you, it's a $500 investment. Like, right. Maybe at where you are in your life. Like, I had invested in education like i had an mba like i had since i was 17 i've been in paying for my education so yeah. to me like maybe a bigger ticket item is what i needed mm -hmm. but maybe for someone who hasn't done that or doesn't need that maybe 500 dollars is enough for them two thousand five thousand you gotta look at it like an education not a get rich quick scheme you yeah. know so it's, it's whatever gets you going i, I think yeah. Yeah. and so, no one could take that away from me that's the thing that i always say i'm like yeah, it wasn't everything that I needed because every day I learned more things and I didn't learn how to run numbers like as well as I did like actually doing the deals and stuff. Right. But at the end of the day, like it's what put me in the position. Like it exposed me yeah. to know what real estate investing was. Yeah, I got you in the game. So you started off door knocking, you said, 
what how long did it take you to get a deal from that or was it door knocking that got you your first deal or did you do something else so it was door knocking um so with um rich dad this was like when prop stream was like on a cd so they would give you like a cd <laughs> and funny. you would put it on your computer yeah and like the back end software is completely different like it's the same data but it was like a lag in it you know so i'm sure like the foreclosure list that i would get it would be like tomorrow <laughs> <laughs> urgency um, yeah yeah so it wasn't like how it is now where like you have like aol.com you gotta do cd yeah i need to find this computer because i know it's somewhere and uh, so anyway so i would pull this list and then i would also like hand write yellow letters that was like one of the marketing techniques that they taught which yeah. you can find on youtube everywhere now right so um <laughs> i literally pulled the list and i remember so i went it was like the house was at the back of blackjack like in the really nice floors in part it's mm-hmm. like this really big house so i get there i drive up in my ultima that i still drive now and i drive up to the house and i door knock and the guy answers the door and i just tell him i'm like hey <laughs> i don't even remember but i said something like i know you're about to lose your house oh nice and i can help you like i can buy this house and he was like he he knew what was happening so he's like actually i applied to get a loan from my 401k to pay the arrears. And I'm like, oh yeah, for sure. I obviously did not know at this point. That you could do that. <laughs> I was like, yeah. He's like, but I'll sell a house um, in the county for $10,000. And I was like, bet I'm buying it. So he had, house, oh, he had a different house. Point. Okay. <laughs> Is it still available? Yeah, I bought it for $10,000. That was your first deal, Castle was Point? Oh, wow. $10,000. Um, I made $3,000 assignment fee on that deal. And I remember when I first got it under contract and I started shopping around, people were like, no one invests in Castle Point. Like, no one buys anything in Castle Point. So anybody not local in St. Louis, Castle Point's a notorious neighborhood where most investors are told to stay away from. Mm-hmm. And they're, it's very hard to make deals work just because the, the values aren't there. Yeah, so the values are low. Um, there's a lot of vacant properties. Um, the, the rents are low. There's a lot of slab houses there for some reason mm-hmm. um, because of, like, the way the letting i guess kind of works so yeah yeah i mean it was, it's what most people would consider like a war zone or a deep class neighborhood and you said it not me yeah i know that's why I said it. <laughs> um so i personally hold about six rental properties today in castle point really okay. um so i own one on prince um two on baron one on viscount um and another one i can't remember my map. Oh, so what have you learned from investing in castle point um and i think it's kind of more so my strategy Um, So my strategy is more so on cash flow. So I don't necessarily look at the value of the property um, because I don't refinance. Um, How I take down my deals is 100% cash or long-term private money. Mm -hmm. So it's based on 100% cash flow income minus expenses Mm -hmm. and what the net is. What's your cap rate you're shooting for? Um, So usually 16% return on investment. Okay. Is where um, my numbers are. So on that Marcus unit, um, obviously that's in North City, and that area, that part is, you know, it's still under development, and there's still growth and opportunity in those areas. And that, um, those units will only rent for about five fifty, six hundred a door. So that, um, the goal on that one is about twenty three percent, and that's basically what we hit with those numbers on rehab and stuff. So that's a four unit that I'm buying from you guys. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. That needs like a full rehab, like the outside. The tuck pointing is good um, on the building. So like the structure is good, but it has like some mold and some plaster issues and stuff. Yeah. 
Um, but it'll be a great building, especially for some transitional housing. I think that that's kind of going to be my play with that. Okay. Um, yeah, I'd like to talk about that some more because, I mean, we've traditionally stayed away from North City, but we, I mean, we've expanded our marketing reach and we get these leads. So it's like, there's got to be a way to do something with it, monetize it. So there's a market. There's there a market is a market. You're buying there. Um, I'm glad to see people are trying to, to turn it around yeah. in that area. So we actually had a higher bid for that house and we actually ended up selling it to you. So don't say that. He's probably watching. <laughs> <laughs> he probably is. Yeah. <laughs> Is in Florida. Yeah. Florida. Oh my gosh. Right? Paul's Ferry and Lindbergh. Yep. That's a nice area. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's nice, but I mean, the value. But yeah. two years ago, I could have said that's probably a 130, 140 house best. Yeah. You know? like, I mean, what's crazy is I literally did a rehab um, at the end of last year um, on Wellington mm -hmm. and I got screwed with appraisal. Like the house appraised FHA for 165 and that was a four bedroom, two and a half bath with a fully finished basement. Oh, God. So it's like, you know, the market's yeah. ever changing. Yeah. And that's, you know, I think that that's one of my biggest things with wholesalers is like, as a wholesaler, it's so important. I think that that's what made me like so had had such a big advantage at the beginning was that I started to think like a landlord mm -hmm. and I started to think like a rehabber, yeah. right? Like, how are you running your numbers? What is it that you're looking for? And getting their feedback. Like, don't, you know, when someone's like, oh, I'm not interested or, you know, they give you an offer, like, don't get insulted by it. Ask, like, what number did you put on rehab? Maybe I missed something. Yeah. Maybe, maybe I can go negotiate. Like, stop taking everything so personal because at the end of the day, you're trying to make money in the rehab. One of the things I learned from that endeavor is that you have, like, kind of, I think, like, quadrants of different kinds of buyers, right? And so I'll just split in these two of a Burr buyer versus a cash flow buyer. Yeah. And when you run your numbers for a Burr buyer, it's going to be different than you run numbers for just a straight cash flow buyer. So in those, like, CD neighborhoods, you have a lot more cash flow buyers. So, you, like, the comps that you see on there, that's basically what they're paying because right. there's no – people aren't moving in to live them living there right. it's cash flow buyers that are purchasing them so that's a different set of numbers than a burr buyer where you look yeah. at the arv minus a certain percentage minus the rehab budget so yeah. it's just and you're looking at cash on cash returns usually because yeah. they're leveraging a bank or they're going to refinance and pull out like as much equity and then you also have to worry about the house appraising right so you yeah. do have to have these comps where a cash flow buyer isn't going to be doing those yeah. things yeah nope you know? yep you're absolutely right so. So I, I know we jumped way ahead here on your on your story. We so that stemmed off of uh, your first deal in Castle Point. So 
how, how long were you doing this on the side uh, as a hustle no, before you went full time? Oh, so you? Yeah, I never went back to work. You went to that event because you were laid off right then. Yeah, so I got laid off. Um, after like a year of wholesaling, like full time, um, I was closing at a title company, um, and I took on a position to be the business development director. Okay. Um, so I the, the strategy behind that was to learn the paperwork. Um, I wanted to understand more about subject twos. I wanted to understand like deeds of trust, notes, all that kind of stuff. Sure. And so I had to get my title license. I processed files. I've literally worked every position at a title company. I've written policies. Um, that's why a lot of times, like when people wholesalers have issues in the local market, they'll reach out to me and they're like, "Hey, what can I do with this? If we have the time to do it, can deal with them right now." And um, we have like liens from a nursing home. Hmm. So it's like, you know, that's like a whole nother piece, right? Yeah. So it's like, okay, what do we have to do to get this removed? I mean, it's like a whole research thing. So we did mutually release from the contract, but we're still working on it actively because the lady's in a nursing home. But there's all these strategies. So yeah, I did go and I got a job. Um, it was it was one of the best things because I'm not originally from St. Louis. Yeah. So it's actually how I met a lot of real estate agents, a lot of people because I was able to wine and dine them on the title company's money, basically. Mm, nice. Like I was taking them out to lunch, I was going to networking events because I didn't know anybody, I'm not from here. So, um, and it also like gave me, um, the owner of that title company, he invested in North City mm -hmm. and I met a contractor that was doing a lot of work in North City and that's where my passion for North City came because I saw that a lot of people weren't investing in the city, yeah. in North City specifically. A lot of people invest on the South side but not necessarily on the North side and um, I think it was just like the, you know, the misconception that people just didn't understand, um, North city, like they just, they've just been told, a, you know, prerogative or a narrative that they've never personally seen. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's just something that I've, you know, just taken a big liking to, I see the impact that it's making the resources that we get to bring, um, that's really powerful. I, I, I guess the biggest struggle for us, like we're burr buyers. We want to pull all of our money back out. And like when you're depending on an appraisal, yeah. you know, that's a big roll of the dice if that's your investing method. So right. educate me a little bit here. Like you don't plan on pulling your money back out ever. Never. It's going to be long-term investment. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so you um, have to raise a lot of money to, to do that. Yeah. So I raise um, all my stuff like private money. Um, I bring a lot of money from Israel and then I do smaller investments, um, mm -hmm. with like correctional officers, um, a lot of doctors. I have a lot of friends, like I have friends that are authors and stuff. And so they'll put stuff in like a self-directed IRA or, um, just raise, you know, they just okay. have capital that they're putting into, um, some of the properties. And so I'll partner with them or they just privately lend. Mm -hmm. It just really depends. What's the lending kind of, you have to go into the exact numbers and so, but like kind of what's the structure is it like 30 year note or like yeah, so okay. 15, um, usually it's 15 because the price points are lower. Okay. So the price point's a little bit higher. Um, then I will stretch it out 30 just to capture the cash flow as much as possible. Sure. And obviously no prepayment penalties. I can always pay more. Mm -hmm. Um, but usually I'm at long-term private money at 6%. How did you go about finding all these people? I mean, you went from wholesaling Castle wholesaling. Point, yeah, and then you're like, oh, I'm just gonna keep these properties, okay? Wholesale. So you just found them, you wholesale to them, and then they wanted to deploy their capital and use it more. And yeah, so I mean, here's the thing, right? A lot of times the struggle is that you have um, lack of good property management, or that you have to basically manage your property manager, right? Yeah. And that was one of those struggles that I had when we were first building the portfolio. 
was I had, I tried like several different property managers and I just felt like I was managing them, which is fine. Um, especially if you have a smaller portfolio, it's okay because it's not a lot. But I, at this point, I had 60 properties mm -hmm. and um, I had to draw the line. I had to draw the line when I got a bid that was like $5,000 and then it was really 15000 at the end of the turn. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, that's a huge difference. And you just pulled it off of my rents. Like I didn't approve mm -hmm. this. And so that was like my big, I'm not really in control. Yeah. So what I did was I hired a virtual assistant and I started bringing my property management in-house. So my first employee was a $4 virtual assistant in the Philippines. And she would handle like my maintenance stuff. And I was managing some of the stuff at this point until I could figure out what yeah. the dynamic of this company would actually look like or if it was something that I wanted to do long term. So what's what's your in-house property management look like now? Do you have your own maintenance crew and everything? And yeah. So right now um, I am hiring for a full-time maintenance person um, that I'm willing to pay. Yeah. It's, it's crazy because like I'm willing to pay someone $25 an hour and give them a company car and I still can't find anyone that like really? is decent enough. Yeah. We just started that search as well. And yeah, I don't know, got a couple referrals, but. So um, I've been just using vendors, like mm -hmm. our vendors that do our maintenances, our, like our turns. And so we'll just like kind of set them up that way. And then I have some evening, like a guy who's like union that, um, <laughs> I'm like, I don't think I can say that. He no, used to be so, union. Yeah, he used, yeah, to, he be used union. to be. <laughs> he used to be union. There's and no names. So yeah, so it's like 30, I paid him um, for evenings and weekends, just like $30 flat. Okay. Um, and so, I mean, it just kind of like works out. I just like that we don't have to like micro, I don't like micromanaging yeah. people. So that's like one of my biggest things. Like I don't like to constantly have to tell you how to do your job. Like, oh, this I, is your job. I love doing that. That's oh, the best thing in the world, isn't it? We love that, right? Yeah. Like if I had to tell you how to do your job. Yeah, you, you, hired really the, you hired the wrong person. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, because I mean, there's just some things that are just like, that's what I'm paying you for. Yeah. Well, this is intriguing to me. So you have a um, virtual assistant that takes these calls and yeah, then so does he kick them off the to the structure? Yeah, go ahead, please. So, okay. So, the way the company is set up right now. So I have a field manager mm -hmm. who's on salary and he, my goal for him is to basically sit in the CEO role. And how many units do you have real quick? 220. 220, okay, gotcha. Actually, I think I'm at like 230. I have to look at it, wow. but something in that range. So he's salaried um, and he basically does all the site visits, manages the crews, makes sure that we're completing projects, attends inspections, all that kind of stuff. High level project manager. High, yeah. high level. He runs a business. He runs, he yeah. runs the business. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, right now I'm still managing some of the aspects of it until I can fully onboard him. So he worked um, for us at another, whenever, at another company. And then now I just transitioned into putting him back on, but he's been managing apartments for the last four years. Nice. Okay. Um, so, so that's that. As far as the back office goes, I have four virtual assistants on the Philippines. One is my main girl. She's been with me for two years and she manages everybody. Like she tells everybody what to do basically. Um, one girl's hundred percent maintenance. So she does all maintenance inbound calls and managing the vendors, make sure that they're sending in their billing. She reports it. I have a full-time bookkeeper okay. who pays all the vendors, who does every all the billing, who manages the budgets because we have about thirty rehabs going at a time. It's nuts. 
Um, and then, so it's just like keeping the budget together, like everything that's been at Home Depot for every single property, yeah. everything labor wise, so that we don't go over budget. And then um, I have one person who is 100% on investor communications. So just rehab updates. With your anything. with all your lenders? Yeah. 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 All the lenders, all the investors. Okay. Wow. That's, a, that's impressive. How long did it take you to build that out to where it is now? Um, two years. Years. That's wow. a good. The portfolio and the company. So in two years, you've acquired 220 yeah. units. Wow. Impressive. Crazy. <laughs> yeah, no joke. It's wow. ridiculous. <laughs> Hats off to you, man. That's great. Yeah, it's ridiculous. I mean, I'm thankful, like, just um, just to keep, like, it's been a, a lot of pure hustle, to be honest with you. And a lot of it was 100% me. Like, I gained a ton of weight because I literally was stressed out and I was doing everything and I wasn't delegating even though I had people on payroll like I was still not giving them what they needed mm-hmm. um so over like the last nine months it's like when I really focused on like it's a lot of pressure giving people, yeah. yeah and giving like trusting people that's mm-hmm. like one of the biggest things like when you're building a company is that you have so to trust that were you struggling like just with trying to manage everything and not delegating is that where the stress yeah. built I mean, up or? yeah for yeah. sure so it's just like more of a control thing mm-hmm. um so i'm a Taurus and i'm super alpha female and so it was definitely like a control thing um it was my baby like and i didn't want anybody to mess up even yeah. if it wasn't working it's kind of like i don't know like any kind of trauma or toxic relationship sure. yeah. that you're in even if it's not working like you're still trying to like keep control of things and um, I realized that when I started like letting other people take on things, one, they were doing it better than I was. Because they're focused on it. Yeah. Because I was there... only giving a little piece of myself to it, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're... Was there any particular moment or point where you decided you had to make this change? Is there Was there something I that... I think it was a lot of different moments yeah. um, along the space where like a lot of conversations um, one with my boyfriend where he's like, you're stressing yourself out. Like you have people on payroll that you're not giving stuff to and you're doing stuff, right? Um, it was a decision, like I'm in the flips now, but it was a decision where like, this isn't the best use of my time. Like it makes, it, it, it's not the best space for me because I realized that it took a while to realize that especially with contractors contractors frustrate me because i'm like you told me you're going to do something we agree to it and you still can't do it like this i don't understand why this is so like difficult because when i agree to things yeah like that's and so um with that but now like with a process in place of like walkthroughs every single week punch list a final punch list four days before a deadline so that if there's nothing that you know you're missing stuff you have a full punch list before you're even walking out of here. Yeah. So we're not waiting till, you know, a lot of times what happens is like the deadline's Friday, you're punch listing on Friday, they're not getting paid because there's a ton of stuff on there. Now yeah. they're mad. Nobody's happy. Yeah, no one's happy. Yeah. And so putting like some systems in place, like I just started looking at the things that weren't working, that were making everybody inefficient, that were frustrating me. And I'm like, okay, there has to be an easier way to do this kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. but it was a lot of, Trial. A lot of conversations and a lot of trial and error where I'm like, this isn't working. <laughs> this isn't working. So by opening yourself up the way you have and getting the business to actually, the man, the property business to actually run mm-hmm. itself, are you able now to acquire more? Or like, what are you doing with that free time? So I love acquisition. I know you um, do. <laughs> so that's like, honestly, 
that's actually one of the things that was very frustrating for me was because I'm like, I don't, I can't buy more because of all this. Yeah, bottlenecks and stuff. Yeah. Bottlenecks in the business, like just mm-hmm. me being frustrated with like contractors and stuff. So I just like went on a hiring spree, like a firing spree. I'm like, okay, obviously you're not a best fit. Like I have to punch this deal a hundred times to get the end result. Like this isn't worth my time. Mm-hmm. We're just not a good fit for each other. I can refer you to someone else who has more patience. <laughs> like I like you, but we're not good for each other. I don't think that's how the conversation went. <laughs> <but>. <laughs> Honestly, it, like I literally just fired an employee yesterday. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you're just not good under a structure, but you're great at what you do. So I'm going to refer you to other investors who you don't need to work for them, but you can work as a consultant. Sure. Like, and that's the thing, like you have to read, you have to watch people where they are and be like, okay, I'm not utilizing to the best of my capability and your capability. Like I'm setting you up for failure because you're not good with structure, but you can get me a lot of money that's in arrears and that's what my employee was doing for me but i'm like you can't be in the office like you have other external things that are causing other employees problems so let's part ways here but you can still do this at a commission or whatever yeah and so yeah but acquisitions is like my heart and soul like i love it so much i love working with wholesalers um educating them like helping them like these are the deals that i want to buy and you guys know like you i mean we do one walkthrough i do one walkthrough and i'm ready like i don't i don't have to worry about a bunch of stuff it's not a long inspection i don't need a contractor to come through i don't need anything so one a lot of wholesalers want to work with me they want to bring me their deals um but i just i love I, i love the wholesaler and sell their conversation. So I will say that when we first watched a property on in Pine Lawn mm-hmm. a couple weeks ago, what I like about you is that we can assign it to you and we can trust you. And I did a little like ask someone that's a mutual yeah. friend of ours, like, hey, is she good to go? And he was like, yeah, she's good to go. Like, don't worry. She'll, she, her words are bond. So mm-hmm. it, it's so good. And that's why we, you know, I'll just go back to Marcus. That's why we took a little bit less, right? Because we never did business with this gentleman. Maybe we should have. I don't know. But who cares? Like, you're here now. That's awesome. Uh, but we knew we can give you the assignment. And I would say anything in St. Louis, correct me if I'm wrong, but anything in St. Louis over like five or 7,000, seems like the buyers will start to be like, well, so crazy. yeah, they'll, they'll balk at it. And they're like, well, you shouldn't make that much money or whatever. I'm trying to pull the contract, renegotiate. That's happened to me a couple of times. Mm-hmm. So it's just, it's just, you know, if you're a wholesaler out there and you want, you have a deal sent to her, she's going to make sure that she, you know, you can actually do the assignment. Worry about that. The, yeah. So one of the biggest things, um, and we can talk about this, like people always ask like where is it that you assign or don't assign right Mm -hmm. so sometimes when i um so one double clothing in st louis is very cheap Mm -hmm. it's not necessarily like in other markets where when you assign you have to do like a transfer tax and like all these things right so our fees are fairly cheap even if we want to double close when i double close is like if my it's not really to hide my fee to be honest with you but a lot of people don't realize that when you assign and you have a big assignment fee, that the buyer is exposed that amount of money on title insurance. Like that money's not insurable, right? Oh, okay. Yeah, so you don't get any insurance on that because it's an invoice. It's not part of the purchase price. Right. Uh, so you only get money on the actual purchase price mm-hmm. of the house. So sometimes like even if you are, um, you, can, you can still double close for yourself, right? So like, let's say that I took on something and then I can just double close to cover myself on insurance, which is actually what I'm doing with Marcus. Okay. Yeah. So I'm actually, to get insurance, I'm actually double closing. So I'm paying the fees. You guys aren't, but I choose that for myself. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah. 
So, but that's, I mean, that's something that I know, right? Like yeah. I know this. I never heard of that. No. Yeah. So any assignment fee is not insurable. Hmm. So let's say that something were to happen, you'd basically be as the buyer, as an end buyer, you'd be asked out that. So if somebody's buying a property for a hundred grand, but we assigned it, we bought it for, say we marked it up 20 grand, mm -hmm. that, 20, that house burns down, they're not going to get the full. No, no, no. So it's not property insurance. Oh, this okay. is title insurance. Title insurance. Okay. Yeah, gotcha. yeah. This is on the title insurance side. So something came up, right? Right. Then, okay. So that's it. I mean, it's rare that it yeah. happens, but you have to think about it, right? Because right. it has happened before. So let's say that there, that title company didn't clear a $200,000 mortgage on it. You really only have insurance for your initial investment, your actual purchase not, price. Not the invoices right, and stuff right, like that. Right. So it's just like anything else on that Alpha yeah. statement, right? Yeah. The title insurance fees, the assignment fee, it's all a fee. It's not Correct. the yep, purchase yep. price. Gotcha. So, um, but yeah, so I mean, and that's just something that most people don't know. But as far as assignments, um, to me personally, like whenever I did it, it was more so like at the $20,000 mark. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But you guys are, and here's the thing, right? The cool thing about wholesaling is that you get to pick who you want to work with. Yes. So if someone's giving me shit about my fee, like I'm probably just not gonna bring you anything else. Like yeah. there's just I'm I'm really big on relationships. Yep. And ease and convenience. Mm -hmm. Like those are my three big things when it comes to wholesaling. Period. So like if I, I, I if I feel resistance or you always trying to like low mommy get it under contract and then like low mommy, it's probably only gonna happen one or two times. Yeah. Max. And so as a buyer. Like these are the things that wholesalers are. At the end of the day, the buyers are one in a million. Wholesalers are, I mean, the buyers are one in, yeah. like there's so many buyers and there's so many wholesalers. So right. you get to pick what you want to work with. A lot of buyers might not understand what it actually takes to get a wholesale deal and the time and the marketing and the yeah, follow-up. Yeah, because they're going on the MLS. So <laughs> when I got into the game, there was like an unspoken rule or myth, I guess, that if you're trying to make over five grand on a yeah. wholesale in St. Louis, you're you're yeah. greedy and gouging people. Like, okay, well, do you know what it takes for a marketing campaign these days? Like more than five thousand dollars. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, what, I guess getting back to my point there, like, if somebody new we're working with, we're probably going to double close it no matter what, just because we want to know they're good, they're going to close, and you know yeah. they understand how we do this. Mm -hmm. um, I don't. I guess it just all comes down to trust if you yeah. want to assign versus double close early. Yeah. You know? And I mean, the, the biggest thing is when it comes to like the assignment and stuff is just that the end buyer can see your fee. Yeah. Yeah. And some people, unfortunately, like there are buyers that they're like, oh, you're making just as much as I am. And at the end of the day, you offered that price. Like you said that you wanted to buy it for this. So you obviously ran your numbers. Mm -hmm. That has nothing to do with what I'm making. Like, stop you were just saying that about pockets. somebody did that to you a couple of years ago. They pulled the plug on after you show them the assignment. Yeah. So I, I sent them the, you know, he's like, send your boilerplate assignment fee over. I did that. It wasn't not, it wasn't even that much, but he came back and, and renegotiate down $5,000 after that. And just kind of tying your hands. Well, I'll say is that I hate using this cliche because everyone say it's such a crazy market right now and people are paying crazy prices yeah. for things. If you're a wholesaler, maybe you're new and you don't know this industry that much. Like don't get, don't, you know, talk to us. Christina, uh, we can help you out and get the thing sold. Please don't get held hostage by a buyer. No need to in this market. Mm -hmm. and, and the same thing, like, I think the same thing with buyers. Like, you get to pick who, what wholesalers you work with. And as wholesalers, you get to pick what buyers you want to work with or yeah. what other wholesalers you want to JV with. Like, now, I will say, if you're a wholesaler and you try to rake someone over the barrel, over like 500 to 1,000, trying to jack them up, 
like, and you try to send an assignment, they're probably going to mess with you. Yeah. <laughs> Don't I do mean, that. I to mean, avoid yeah. it, you could just raise private money and take it down, especially in this market. If you take it down, clean it out, spruce it up, knock the ugly off, like, you can, you're open yourself up to so many more buyers. Yeah. So this what house in Florissant, the one on Fort Hilda, so the rehab on that house was getting me. We just, I was running the numbers on my way over here. Um, so I got $15,000 in rehab for private money. And I think we're going to be like right at 12 grand or oh, so. Nice. Um, and literally like it's great. It's just paint. Like some flooring. I'm re no, literally oh, wow. no flooring. Wow. No flooring. Um, new garage door. I'm adding fascia cause there's no fascia on the house at all. Um, I'm doing a little bit of landscaping. Mm. Paint is my biggest expense here. And I just got the paint bed. I didn't know y'all spent that much money on paint. What? I like my people. Like my people, I, I mean, on my rental, I barely spend money on paint. I think we're like, like $4 a square foot. Right. Ludicrous. This guy did $3,700. <laughs> I'm like, what are we? That didn't even include the basement. So that's baseboards, doors, ceilings, walls. For how big a house? How big is a house? Like 1200 15 yeah, 14, 14. That's pretty good. I mean, that sounds about right. That doesn't even include the basement, though. We just paid $5,500 for a 1600 square foot house, and it was just, <laughs> just the walls and the... I mean, this yeah. is the price. You cannot spend these prices on rentals, especially cash flow no. rentals. Like, that is ludicrous, ridiculous, crazy. But I knew that I don't want to babysit anyone. Yeah. Right? And we're talking about putting it on the market. So the lines have to be cut. I don't yeah. want to babysit anybody on that. But man, that's crazy. I was like, what? $4,000 for paint? You'll probably get more than four grand back in the investment on that. Oh, like, no, you're you're, sure. you're going to, like. I mean, that's yeah. all I'm doing is really paint. So. That's awesome. Yeah. I like, love those deals. We just did one like that. It's closing next month in uh, Oakville. And oh, it's going to be one of our yeah. best ones yet. Yeah. 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 Whole tailing. That's where it's at. So man. what kind of, yeah. What kind of uh, marketing are you guys doing now? Whoa. You want to say yeah? Um, yeah. So we're, we are doing a lot of direct mail okay. and uh, online ads. Um, we've kind of shifted. Like in the beginning, we were doing mostly texting and cold calling and, you know, we were just having a conversation with our mastermind this morning. I, I don't know how you feel about it, but I think it's going to be going by the wayside pretty soon. You know, there's going to be big crackdowns with the texting uh, coming up here oh, in, yeah. in the summer. They're saying so. Uh, we're we're still doing it, but the success rate's been a lot lower. So yeah. you know, we're going to do it until they shut it down and be ready to pivot. We already are. So yeah, and that's a good thing. Um, so we mostly cold call. Yeah. Um, and then we mostly. Okay. But like our two techniques is that and then um direct to seller stuff. Yeah. And um as far as list goes, most of it that I market to is mostly tired landlords. Mm -hmm. So that's like my you know, that's my space that I like to be in. Um, but a lot of like warm like land like that that lead on Cordoba, that was literally an agent that was like just sent me the seller's information. Like, I'm not sure what they're trying to do. I went on a listing appointment. He's talking to investors, so we'll see if he can get it. And then I just paid her. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, we got a couple deals in that way, too. And so that's just like, you know, those are just those warm connections that you just like kind of make over time that don't pay off like the day you set that relationship up. But it's something like if you stay focused on that and you yeah. message, you know, 
Because I'll like text her all the time, like, hey, girl, do you need anything? Is there anything I can do for you? Mm-hmm. Like, that's the kind of relationship. You yep. have to keep those kind of relationships alive. Those have been some of our best deals. I mean, you, you have to be letting everybody know what you're doing, you know? Um, uh, how many, like, as far as a ratio goes, how many deals are coming from referrals like that versus how many are coming from like your marketing efforts? Um, so when I say referrals, I'm going to put wholesale in there too. Sure. So, um, it's right now we're like 50, 50. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 So right now we're 50, 50 buying from wholesalers and then generating from our own yeah. marketing. Nice. Nice. Our rental portfolio breaks down like that. 50% from wholesalers, 50% from us. Yeah. yeah. So man. that's one of the cool things about marketing for yourself and like we, you kind of had asked me that earlier was how do you know like are you gonna flip something are you gonna wholesale and like what is it and one i think once you see enough deals you get to figure out like oh this is definitely something that fits our buy box mm-hmm. and getting very very clear on what that buy box looks like yeah. what is it that you're actually trying to buy what are your returns like i can spit out what my goal is very, so you can probably easy. keep your direct seller marketing pretty low since you have a very specific niche it sounds like so so um yeah and then i still wholesale yeah um i wholesale so it just really depends but yeah i mean we're dialing about 800 people a day we're doing 800 calls a day what are you doing so you got this rental portfolio of like 220 230 right it's cash flow and it's 15 16 average that's a lot of money coming in um, what are you doing with your whole time? Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Projected money versus right. actual income is different. But uh, yeah. so what are you do? What are you using your wholesale fees for? Um, so paying taxes. No, I'm just kidding. So, <laughs> yeah. so I buy, so what I do with the wholesale fees is I'll buy rentals cash. Um, so that's one of the big things with that. Um, the rental portfolio pretty much manages it itself. It pays for the management company. Mm-hmm. Um, and as far as like the money that goes, I travel. That's like one of my favorite things. So I spend money on that. And my, I didn't really know until like six months ago what my real end result was. Like what my end goal was. I was like, I'm just working. I don't know. I'm hustling. Like I'm just building a team. I don't really know. Like I just, That's I like awesome. it. I yeah. really like it. And so um, after talking to like a couple people and like one of my really, really good friends, I'm like, okay, in five years, I just want to like pivot to like just do private money. Like I want to be the lender. And yeah. so that's the end goal. That's awesome. Love it. So, so no more, hu- make, no more hustling. Make a shit ton of money. Yeah. I'll probably just like right now. So I've been doing some like small mentoring, like just group coaching mm-hmm. on like deal analyzing, helping people like learn the cash flow strategy like whether they're wholesaling or investing themselves. Yeah. Um, and so I really like that. Like it's one of my things that I love to do. I was, I was down in Florida. I met a guy named Bernard. Bernard lives in Brittany, France half the year. And then in uh, Florida half the year he spends, that's where he lives, but he travels the entire time. All he does is lend money and he just goes on excursions his whole entire life. That's, that's his life. And he goes scuba. He goes to the Antarctic, the North pole, all these, like he'll show me all these places. Yeah, and he just has a uh, laptop with a satellite connection. Someone says they want money. He has a relationship yeah. with them. Wire, done. Makes a crap ton of money yeah. by doing that. That's going to be Christina in a few That's years. I was wanting to paint yeah. that for like, you. Like, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, it was impressive what he built out. That was for I sure. mean, and that's like something that, you know, you have to you have to build up your capital a lot first. And like, so that's kind of like what those wholesale fees and yeah. stuff is. is just like building up as much capital as possible putting into some IRAs, mm-hmm. um, just building as much capital as possible. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, I wanted to bring up, I, I follow your social media and you're always traveling and going to different meetups and seminars or speaking at events. So what, what's been your return on that? Like, when did you start believing, like, you know, putting yourself in a bigger room can really elevate you to a different level? Um, so for me, I think it was very, very like early on because that's why like I, you know, I made that initial investment. Right. Um, I think that the biggest thing when it comes to investing in yourself or like investing in relationships, because I'm like super big on relationships, period, is that you have to give, like you have to come from a place of giving. So a lot of people are always like, oh, like how did you speak at massive events or how did you even meet these people or how did you do anything? Like if anybody goes back to like when Max first started his Facebook group, I was literally, when people would ask questions, I would be answering in the group. Like that's how Max and I built our relationship was like I was active in helping him like answer people's questions when we were at the capacity where we could or had a little extra time or like when we were on social media late at night and that's how that relationship came up so a lot of times it's like you have to just come from a place of giving of like helping others and I I mean I would say it comes back like tenfold um yeah. you know not just from the space of not just from the space of brand recognition or like people knowing who I am or things like that because I walked the property on my way up here and the guy was like you know every time I put this property out everybody just tags you or everybody wants to like you know even people out of town are like oh send to Christina he's like I already put this here like we just haven't walked it yet because he didn't have access he was like free marketing it yeah and I was like you know the reason why that is is because you have to put yourself out there like people have to know what kind of mission you're after so that they can buy into your vision like what yep. mission you have to share your mission with people so that they can buy into the big picture and and what it does for them right like what do you get out of your interaction with me like mm. what is it what kind of benefit do i bring to you and once you can establish that um i think that that's that's the real game changer mm. love that thank you that's that just enlightened <laughs> my whole day yeah <laughs> that was good that. so you grew so fast two years 220 plus units I mean, if you could, a lot of support. <laughs> when you got in and you're wholesaling, like, did you see this, like yeah. this was going to be the path or when did you first get turned on to like, well, I want to just hold everything now. Like the massive passive income. I did it. Um, you couldn't sell it and you're like, oh shit. <laughs> no, I, could sell, I could sell everything. Like it was never an issue with that. It was more so that, um, I think I just started bringing like massive value to the investors. So like I was initially just wholesaling to them and it was a very transactional business. Yeah. Um, and then eventually something transactional builds into a relationship, right? Mm -hmm. Because wholesaling is very transactional, yeah. like initially, yeah. right? Until you build a relationship with someone. So it was very, very transactional. Then we built like relationships because we were doing consecutive deals together. Even like small things, like when you and I talk like, oh, we're not going to be able to close. Like that's like us building our relationship of communication. Yeah. And then, you know, hanging out with people's families, me going to Israel, like meeting their moms, sleeping at like their family houses, like that's like the kind of relationship that you want to have with people where they trust you and you're part of their family, wow. right? Um, and those those are things that don't happen overnight. Um, mm. I'll tell you the, the biggest relationship that I have um, that has made me the most amount of money, um, the man's literally like my brother. And our relationship started, I was actually referred to him by a property manager. So just for me to wholesale to him 
and because he wanted to live in St. Louis, he wanted to come back. <clears throat> and um, he paid the property manager like $5,000 to rehab the unit. And he wired them the money and everything. And the he asked me, he's like, hey, the inspe- I know that the inspection's in a couple of days. Do you think that you can swing by just to make sure everything's good? Mm-hmm. I got there. Nothing in the cigar. <laughs> That's the worst. <laughs> yeah, holy smokes. Like I dreaded that conversation so bad. And this was like oh. in their beginning, in the beginning of our like, relationship. And I called him and I'm like, hey, like this isn't ready. Like this is not anywhere close to ready. I know inspections in two days. So I started making calls and I called like the guys that I had working on other projects and stuff. And I'm like, hey, can you guys do this? Blah, blah, blah. My cleaning lady couldn't come. Okay, first of all, I was cleaning lady at my house. Okay. I cleaned the rental myself. That's bad, huh? That's a, I'm that a, is the relationship that has made me the most money, wow. has introduced me to the most people. Mm. And it was that instance where I showed my ass, where he knew that regardless of what happened, that I was going to go to bat, whether it was his money, my money, anybody's money. Because at that point, there was no conversation. I didn't even wholesale him that house. I made no money on that deal. So it was like a conversation where you are proving yourself, basically, of what you're capable, your problem-solving skills. That's how you gain partners. That's how you raise money. But you didn't do it with that intent. It doesn't seem like you were just doing it to help him. And going back to the giving mindset and all that stuff, like that was your intent. And what happened from that, someone recognized in you, like, oh, this person is going to, you know, make sure things happen and get done. And so, yeah, makes sense. Yep. Awesome yeah. story. We're coming up on time here. I just had really one kind of big question to wrap things up. So um, just just curious, as a woman in the industry, yeah. what kind of struggles did you face early on? I imagine it'd be tough working with contractors in the beginning. <laughs> yeah. So just, you know, talk about yeah. that a little bit. Um, so as far as contractors, I think that that's the biggest hiccup mm-hmm. um, because most people just expect that you don't know, to be honest. So um, at the beginning of my career, I really befriended like one main contractor that um, I would pay him to like do like go on walkthroughs with me and stuff so that I didn't lose my butt on stuff. And that relationship is like really what taught me a lot about North City. Like he would tell me he's a roofer as well. And so those are the kind of things that putting yourself in those positions where you're building like good, solid relationships with people that you trust. Um, and that people trust, right? Because if they see a guy, unfortunately, like that's like, I hate saying it, but it's the reality. Like contractors are just contractors. Like they're, they're men. There's some great contractors that are girls, um, which are my favorite. So I like one, Sheila Vaughn, um, is one of my favorite contractors in St. Louis and she's a woman. And so I know I don't really have to worry about her, but she plays with boys too. Like she manages guys all day. And so I think it's just being assertive, knowing your stuff so that people know that they can't bypass you. Um, hiring a field manager and being able to like fire myself from that was probably the biggest relief for me because, um, I just say that they're contractors, not all of them, but most of them are grown men, children that you have to babysit. (laughs) And I really hated that. We're we're, we're no different. (laughs) I'm like, why is this so difficult? And so, um, but as far as like women, honestly, like on the acquisition side and the disposition side, I feel like I have such a huge advantage. Like people trust me. Like sellers trust me, buyers trust me, private money is way easier to raise, I think, mm-hmm. um, for me. Like, I think it's just that nurturing side and the fact that 
I can prove myself. Like I know that regardless, like at the end of the day, if I'm raising any kind of money, like believe me not, like I've had to bring money to a closing table before because at the end of the day, my private money lender or any investor is never going to lose. Like I'm going to take the hit before anybody else does. And they know that. So I think that that's something that you prove over time. Like you don't get to walk into a room and be like, like I'll take you your can money, demand the, it. Yeah. yeah, you can't demand anything from anybody. Right. But I think like as a woman um, in the industry is that you build like that nurture, you get to show that nurturing side of like caring for sellers. And um, I mean, if we door knock on the same door, like they're probably going to answer the door for me before they're going to answer for a guy. Um, just from like a safety perspective, just from- I don't know, Jake's got a very nice smile and- Yeah, he does have a <laughs> But he's really hairy. No, <laughs> That's not a joke. She just told the truth. <laughs> uh, another big thing I think that, and maybe you guys try it on your marketing. I don't know if you guys do this already, but split test with a girl name on your marketing. Mm. I will say this. So our uh, leads manager, Laura, mm -hmm. whenever we go on an appointment where she fielded it and all that stuff and set the appointment for us, nine times out of 10, they have something great to say about her. Yeah. And she gets sometimes further along than we do on some conversations yeah. because like, she warms them up and breaks down that wall for barrier. us to come in. Yeah. Yeah. The barrier. So I don't know, try to split test, like putting Laura's name mm. on some of your marketing. Um, and if you do like any voicemail jobs or anything like that, if you actually record with a female voice, yeah. um, we found that that conversion is like way higher. Yeah, we do, we do a little bit of that with our voicemails and everything. And I'll try it out in the postcards though. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Pro tip of the day. Thank <laughs> you. But thank you guys. I appreciate it. Yeah, no, this great. was awesome, Christina. Uh, thanks so much for coming on. I'm sure we'll do some more deals. And Somewhere. so what's, what's you. the end game? How many, is there a goal of how many units you want to get to? And um, I think I'm going to hit 300 before the end of this year. For sure. You're going to get to 500 eventually? When do you stop? Ever? Um, I don't have a number. So you asked me earlier, and I, like not to reroute, but you asked earlier, like, do you, like did you set this number? Like, and to be honest with you, like I feel like at the beginning, if I would have been like, I I would have been like fifty doors, yeah. and I'm good, I'm chilling, like right. I'm living. Mm -hmm. I would have cut myself so short on like my possibility. So now I do break things down into quarters because I have some kind of like number in place. But I remember even like when I set my first goal of like money in wholesale, I said ten thousand dollars a month, and ten thousand dollars a month is great. That's one hundred and twenty thousand dollars a year. Mm -hmm. That's a regular job. Yeah, that's yeah. A, I mean it's at, you know it's above average, but it's one hundred and twenty thousand dollars a the, year. The goals yeah. are always changing. That's why I have difficult time like looking at like a three-year goal, you know, like everything could change in months. So, so you just focus on today. I try, I, I break it down. So I have to make $10,000 yeah. every single day. That's just my number. In my head. And so if I just focus on that, if I made 20 yesterday and then I got my next two days covered. So I think you can be a private money lender now. <laughs> Probably <laughs> just, just, like just thinking that through my head. <laughs> All right, Christina, you brought a Thank ton you. of value today. Thanks for doing this. Yeah, it was awesome. All right. Yep. Thanks so much.